Lonnie and Kay were high school sweethearts. But over time, the never-ending conflict and their loss of love threatened to tear their marriage apart. When we filled out our forms with Focus on the Family, they asked us if we believed in a miracle, if we were willing to allow a miracle to happen. And, you know, with all my heart, that's what I wanted. Lonnie and Kay attended Hope Restored, where Focus counselors help heal and restore broken relationships, giving husbands and wives godly hope for the future. I guess what I'd say is I cherish her now more than I did before, and I, and I have a way that I can communicate to her that I did not have before, and Focus on the Family has given me that ability. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Kay and Lonnie's every month. Become a friend to Focus on the Family by calling 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parentingpodcast. Does this sound familiar? You never let me do anything, and it's so unfair, and you just don't want me to have fun. Now, those are things I've heard uh, very recently in my home, and maybe you have as well. If so, the odds are pretty good that you have a teenager. This is John Fuller along with Danny Huerta, and um, I'm on my sixth teenager, Danny. Five of the kids <laughs> have just uh, grown up, and they're fantastic adults. I have a fantastic adult in training who, at 15, pulls every card out, does every trick you can imagine, throws everything at me he can, because... He's a teenager, and it's very normal, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. You, you're, you've earned your teenage stripes, John. It <laughs> yes. sounds like, yeah. There's, uh, you know, the teenagers they, they come with uh, some some fire, and then some of them are very compliant. So there's some that are very easy to raise as teens, and then there's some that are more difficult. And what's the physiology happening here? Just real quick. Well, there's there's changes in the brain, and more of the personality comes comes out, and also this is one mental illness really starts to show itself. And we have to uh, be real about this, that teens sometimes have been fine all the way until puberty. And then puberty hits and the mental illness comes on. And all of a sudden, you don't know how to handle this craziness. Okay, so we have to be clear. Now, not every teenager has a mental illness. I mean, a well, lot of we would, kids... We would venture to guess that, but yes, that's very true, <laughs> A lot true, of kids John. just, you know, part, you know, part of the package of teens is there's drama, right? I mean, there is. There's, there's unpredictability. Drama. There's crying at, at the drop of a hat. There is anger. There are outbursts. There are all sorts of unpredictable things that happen. Hormones are all over. Yeah. There's, there yeah. are a lot of changes and, and a lot of pressure, too, that teens are feeling and yeah. lack of sleep, too, that can create even more drama. So it's a big package, but we have an expert here to uh, listen to right now, Jessie Manassian. She has invested years in talking with and really understanding where teens are at. And here's a conversation she had with Jim Daly and myself. You also talk in the book about trust, complete trust and limited freedom, (laughs) I think is the core. I love that. It's a struggle, though, for teens and parents uh, to learn that trust and that freedom balance. Mm -hmm. And usually the teens would say, 
yeah, your freedom metric is way out of balance, Dad or Mom, <laughs> and you don't trust me enough. And what have I done to break the trust? I'm yes. a, I'm generally really a good person. Oh, you can hear those conversations. Yes. So how do parents and teens navigate that trust idea with limited freedom or more freedom? Yeah, this was a huge thing for me to learn to recognize because I was what I was hearing from a lot of girls. They were saying. My parents say they trust me, but they won't let me do anything. <laughs> anything, and so there's nothing. Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Everything's very dramatic I love when that. you're a teen. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I was finding is, man, it, it's possible. And there's several relationships in our lives, not just from a teen to their parent, where we have absolute or complete trust from someone else, but we don't have complete freedom. There's limited freedom. And one example is in the marriage relationship. I trust my husband completely. He trusts me completely. We have a foundation of trust in our marriage that's been built over 15 years. We still have limited our freedom on purpose for mm. one another. We have each other's passwords for everything. We check with each other if we're going to be alone with a member of the opposite sex. We um, always consult each other if we're going to make plans that affect the other person. We limit our own freedom and the freedom of the other person in the name of trust. And I think that's a key for parents and their kids to understand is that I can completely trust my daughters, but that doesn't mean that that comes with unlimited freedom. Yeah, I love that analogy. I necessarily have to limit their freedom to help them maintain that trust. Yeah, and some of that, I mean, it being that caution zone, mm -hmm. right? The precautionary measures you'd want to take in a marriage and parenting as realizing a team to protect you. It's, it's humility, right? right? It's realizing I am vulnerable. I am not invincible. And so I need someone else to help me maintain those boundaries. Now, if a teen can get to that point, it's money. Yeah. Probably hard to do for yeah. a teen. But if as parents, if we can explain that difference and, again, Bring up in conversation the places where you have limited your freedom, whether it's your relationship with the Lord or with a spouse or a boss, to show them that it doesn't mean that you can't still have a great time. Jesse, in previous broadcasts, we did talk about your crushaholic problem. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. All my secrets are exposed. Those teen years are so, can be so full of that. You know, mm -hmm. you go from crush to crush to crush, mm -hmm. and this guy talked to me or this girl talked to me, and I don't know what to do. And, you know, those things happen. It's a normal part of of the teen experience. So I want you to talk about that crushaholicism yeah. and <laughs> and how you uh, got over that or how you discerned it over, over those years and what advice you might have for parents and for teens. Yeah, for parents. It definitely is part of the teen years. And I don't think even <laughs> when we even when we talk about it with our teens and they have a healthy view of the difference between admiration and attraction, all those things that we've talked about on previous broadcasts, I think playing into this idea of limited freedom, this is a perfect example of where parents do need to step in and limit their kids' freedom, even though they do trust them explicitly. And a perfect example of this, my dad... <laughs> <laughs> was a little bit strict in what we were allowed to do. Um, and there was this dance in my small town and I was just <laughs> uh -oh. over the moon. I was so excited because word was that we'll call him dreamy boy. Dreamy boy was <laughs> just going to, to pick be, a name. Uh, just to pick a name. We'll call him DB for short. <laughs> so he was going to be at the dance and I heard that he wanted me to be there and I was over the moon. I mean, this was like going to be the teen movie spectacular moment yeah. that my young heart had been craving. And I was all ready to go. And before the dance, my dad said, you can't go. And I was 
devastated. I was pretty sure my entire social life was dead from that point on. And I tried every, you know, phrase in the book, but why? And he's just like, no, like you can't go. You're crushing me. Uh, right. But what I didn't realize then and what I learned later is, you know, dreamy boy wasn't exactly as dreamy as I had previously thought. And even if I had had that teen movie spectacular moment, my dad protected me from probably a whole summer of regret. He huh. did not have the greatest reputation. And I was young and vulnerable and really craving attention. Mm. And that probably would not have ended well. And my dad didn't even realize it at the time. He didn't know why I wanted to go so bad, but he trusted his intuition and it saved me. He limited my freedom and it ended up freeing me. Even with the hassle that it in Cured, oh, it you know, totally that you did. Were, the eye I'm roll sure, and the door slam yeah. and all those things that went on. But later, I was able to thank him as an adult, well, sometimes, not later, like that I week. Mean, sometimes <laughs> we've talked about how to reduce friction and all that. Sometimes there's just going to be friction and you need to accept it, especially in that parenting role where you, you just know the right thing to do and you got to do it. All right, so maybe we were too dramatic at the beginning of this episode where we kind of painted the picture of unpredictability and this hormone bath and the kids going crazy. There really is a lot of fun to having teens as well as the drama. But those biting remarks and eye rolls, they're, they're not fun after a while. Danny, what's the best way that we can react or what are some best ways we can react as um, our kids kind of push our buttons? We want them to understand, hey, I'm in your corner. How do we communicate that? Well, this, this is a tricky one. I, I would use the word respond. Because when we react, huh. we're very reactive in the moment, and, and we're coming out of emotion. Response requires the mind to become engaged and really think through, what is really happening here? What is, what is my teen really asking? What are they anxious about? A lot of times fear comes out in eye rolls and anger or frustration, and they just haven't learned how to express that in ways that are going to be useful or helpful for communication and to, to really collaborate about something. And uh, so I, I love to, to, to coach parents in talking about the frustration with their child by saying, hey, I can tell you're frustrated. I can tell you are upset about this and helping mirror back what emotion they're seeing in their child. And sometimes a teen will say, no, you know what? I'm not frustrated. I'm, I'm, I'm actually rageful right now. Very angry at you, very angry at these people. And that's, that's when you can Maybe just take some time to listen. Help me understand how you got this angry. Help me uh, really see the picture from your angle. And what you're doing is stepping into their court, not to let them just uh, be disrespectful and abuse the situation, but to say, I, I really want to hear this. And, and teens need to hear that parents are really the only people in the world that would die for them, mm. much like Christ died for us. We feel that's that d depth of love and we want to bring truth to our teen that is helpful and useful for them. I love Psalm 119.66. It says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. And that's a trust relationship between David and his heavenly father. And that's what we're trying to create with our teens. And it takes a lot of patience. It takes perseverance to get through those moments where you're mm -hmm. triggered. And just remember, I need to respond to the situation, enter this moment between my teen and I, and I really need to understand where they're coming from. What, I, I want to see the whole situation from their perspective so that I can coach them through this and let them know that I would die for them, and I mm -hmm. want the very best for them. 
it's not about me trying to make you happy or comfortable. It's about getting you through the discomfort that life brings. And, you know, one of the uh, probably most dramatic things in the teenage years is the dating. Uh, and my son, I've, I've asked him to just observe that because he, we've put some boundaries and limits on when he can date. He has said, Dad, there's so much drama with this mm-hmm. whole dating. I've yeah. seen it in my friends, and, and all of a sudden they're very happy one day, and the next day they're, they're sad, they're angry, they're depressed, and it's all having to do with this drama of, of wanting to date. That's when the drama and the eye rolls and those things can come in when a parent says, no, you know, this, it's not your time yet, or you can't go out tonight yeah. because there's something that's so wanted by the teenager, and you can understand that. You, we've, we've all been teenagers and wanted to date. We can understand that, say, hey, just not the timing right now. Well, that's some really good perspective, and there's a lot there. I, I want to just uh, point out that if you are on this parenting road along with us and you've got a teen... Uh, there are a lot of great resources to help you. And the link is going to be in the description. Uh, you can find out more about this ministry. We're listener-supported. And so we would ask you while you're there at the website, uh, looking at the resources, to consider making a donation to Focus on the Family. When you do, we'll send a copy of Jesse Manassian's great book, Family, How to Love Yours and Help Them Like You Back. Uh, that's our thank you gift when you join the support team. Next time, we'll talk about encouraging your teens and helping them feel valued. And until then, on behalf of all of us here at Focus on the Family, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.